You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is Motormania with Damien Reed. Yes, it's Motormania with me, Damien Reed, and I'm joined by Chris Milbourne, social media and content manager at DeBizzle. And in the next half hour, it is devoted just to Chinese cars. Now, recently, I found myself reviewing and featuring... Uh, more cars and more brands from uh, from China as more distributors introduce them here into the UAE. We've uh, we've been seeing the likes of, of MG, BYD, Cherry, Geely on the roads in the UAE, and we're getting a lot of messages from listeners who are curious to know more about these cars, but uh, yeah, some are still hesitant to uh, to purchase one. So, uh, Chris Milburn, this is where I bring you into the chat. Um, What's your what's your thoughts about the way the Chinese cars have hit the market recently? Well, good morning, Damien, and uh, good morning to all the listeners as well. Um, it's Chinese cars are coming; they're coming hard and fast, aren't they? There yeah. are so many coming in. There's so many brands as well that we've never even heard of, and they're now entering the market. I mean, BYD, Geely, they've been here before with older older cars that you kind of see on the road from time to time. I think BYD was one of these brands as well that was here a long time ago. Now they've come back, and they've come back with force. You know, we've seen a significant increase in these cars on the road. Uh, you go everywhere, and now it's very difficult to not spot a Chinese car on the road. Mm. But we always ask ourselves, why? Why is this happening? Well, it's value for money, isn't it? Because, yeah, yeah. like you, we've been to all these events where they've recently launched them, and you've got companies like Geely offering eighty thousand dirhams for a full option. Uh, you know, compact crossover. And when we say full option, you get cooled seats, you get navigation. You get everything you want inside of a car. And then there's base mo- uh, base models from other manufacturers that are sort of around that price. So, of course, obviously, you're going to go for a full option one, aren't you? Yeah, yeah and exactly. They've got that variety. The Chinese cars, I'll be honest, they're getting very good looking now. Um, it was interesting you guys were talking about Lincoln Co. before. Yes. We've yeah. actually got one through our managed service. We've oh, got okay. an 05. Um the only reason I know about Lincoln Co. is because of uh, touring cars. Yes. Um, and I've always had an eye on the O3, the O3 Plus as well in Cyan. They're not bringing that here because according mm. to their website, they're only bringing the 1 and the 5, I think it is. Ah, okay. So okay. we're going to completely miss out on the sedan. But we've got the Lincoln Co. in Australia. That's how I know the brand. And, of course, seeing them in, over in China as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting stuff. I mean, uh, a, a lot of different brands. And um, speaking of that, I've, I've – uh, just been driving the uh, the Jatua dashing. Uh, now this is a five seater, good looking car. Uh, it has that kind of SUV coupe look about it. Um, very wide haunches, closed nose. It, it's. I actually think it's, and I'm going to say this, going to put it out there. I think it's better looking than, than than Ferrari's version of an SUV. It is a good looking car. Um, the other one, no, not really. Um, but you. You do see a lot of them on the roads in Australia, so so the the Jatua is a is a popular brand down there because you know it's an expensive it's an expensive car market now. Um, but you know, so I was familiar with them from them. Uh, the car I drove had a one point six liter four cylinder engine, one hundred ninety seven horsepower, two hundred ninety newton meters of, uh, of torque with a seven speed uh, um, uh, transmission, and I'll tell you what, incredible fuel economy. The the gauge barely moved the entire time I had it. Dual tone interior, premium materials, um, 15.6 inch center touch screen, massive screen, full panoramic sunroof, wireless charging, keyless entry, remote start. I mean, the air conditioning was good in summer. Um, all these things here, and we're talking about a price of 114,000 dirhams. It's going back to the thing we said before. It's the cost-effective solution of buying a car, isn't it? Yeah. Because you get a, a lot of uh, options for that kind of money. The, the, I think the term is a bang for your buck, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you get so much for it. And we've noticed on Dubizzle recently that in the past 30 days, Chinese cars, uh, what people are searching for, 
has gone up by, yeah. uh, by up to 53%. People have been looking for Chinese manufacturers. Uh, and interesting enough, the GTOL dashing and the X70 is what's catching most people's eyes. You know? yeah. You've got things like the Jack J7, you've got the Chang'an Uni-K, the Hongkui that you guys were talking about, the Rolls-Royce or uh, Bentley of the Chinese world. Uh, and also, uh, my personal favourite so far is the Gili Cool Ray's become yeah. rather popular uh, over the past couple of months. And uh, Again, it's, it's, it's going back to it. I think this is the real reason why people are trying to buy them, um, get in the hands of them, even searching for them, is the value for money. They're so cost-effective. And not just with the options, but like you said before, the fuel economy. Because yep. here, obviously, every month, fuel changes. Yep. Um, so everyone's got the back of the mind, is the next car that I'm going to buy, is it going to be fuel efficient? And it seems to be that Chinese cars and the manufacturers, they're bringing in these smaller engines. They're yeah. bringing in these two liters, the 1.6s, one liter turbos, and they're even bringing in their electric versions as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this is where I'm going to bring in the uh, the head of sales and operations for the Elite Cars, who is the authorized distributor of Jatua in the UAE, uh, Eli Nahim. Eli, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Thank you very much. Now, I was just talking about the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the dashing that I drove. Now I was talking about all those features, 114,000 dirhams. But the thing that I find um, uh, even more amazing than than that is you're offering a 10 year or a 1 million kilometer warranty on that. That is outstanding. Yes, yes, uh, for sure. Uh, because we trust our brand, and uh, of course with the support of the manufacturer also from Gitour, so we're offering a 10 years warranty or 1 million kilometer warranty. Amazing. So we're confident about our product. And of course, uh, we need to make sure that we support our clients as much as we can with the best uh, warranty available in the UAE market. Yeah, yeah. What's, um, so firstly, tell me a little bit about your tour. Uh, when, when did it launch here and, uh, and, and, and how, what sort of customers are you getting through the, through the showroom? We launched the brand in UAE in 2019. Mm-hmm. We had the collaboration with the uh, G-Tour. Of course, uh, the brand being launched in 2019 in the UAE market. And then, of course, after you know what, we ha- what happened in the COVID situation, so yeah. everything was freezed. And then back on track in 2022, we launched the X70 Plus in December this year, and it was a very successful uh, model. And we can see a lot of cars on the street now. And followed to the X70 Plus, we have again, we launched again the dashing in April. Mm. And this was the most successful uh, model in our uh, range. Really? For yeah. sure. You, you drove the car a couple of weeks back and yeah. you gave us a great feedback. Thank you for it. And definitely the brand is evolving big time. So. Uh, if we're talking about the range of models that uh, Gitour have at the moment, we have the X70S, starting with X70S, X70FL, and the X70 Plus, X90 Plus, and Dashing at the moment. All these SUVs are basically seven-seater, except the Dashing is five-seater, and the price range will start from 69,000 dirham only. Crazy. So is the dashing the, the, the top model at 114 or is there a model above that? The X90 Plus the X90. now, okay. the 2 liter, we just launched the 2 liter engine, yep. which has the uh, 254 horsepower, recently launched in the UA market, which is uh, in June. So this car will be for 119, 119. Okay. okay. And the so 7-seater, 4.85 meter of length. It's a very big SUV mm. and uh, it's fully loaded. Everything you need. 
yeah. you can have in this car. We had a question uh, in the first hour from 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 a cust from a uh, a caller asking about hybrid seven seaters. I don't know, Chris. I couldn't think of a, of a of a hybrid seven seater on the market. Does 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 Jatua have a hybrid that might be coming to the market, or yes, is it, yes, you, you of do? Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, the lineup of the existing models are petrol, but in the future, in the near future, we'll be launching uh, a hybrid model for all the segments, starting from the X70 up to X90 plus. So all will be uh, hybrid model also. Oh, there along you go. With the petrol engine. You also have the option of the Toyota Highlander as well. That's hybrid too, isn't it? Yes, yes. Okay, so Mansur, if you're still listening, Mansur had a Kia Sportage and he was considering that or a hybrid, another hybrid seven-seater. There you go. There's the Toyota Highlander, but also Jatul's got that one as well. There's there's some options there. And we've, I'll also refer you to a, a message from a, another caller that, um, that asked about this as well. But we'll do that after the break because we're going to continue this conversation about Chinese cars. We're going to reveal, Chris is rather going to reveal the top-selling Chinese cars on DeBizzle. And, uh, of course, we've got uh, Ellie Nahim here Head of Sales and Operations for the Elite Cars, the authorised distributor of Jatua. And I've got a few more questions for you, Ellie. This is Motormania on Dubai Eye 103.8. The UAE's number one talk radio station. Yes, welcome back. I'm Damien Reed, and you're listening to Motormania, and I'm joined in the Dubai Eye studio by Chris Milbourne of DeBizzle and also hanging around for a, for a little bit longer because the questions have been coming in. I've got Ellie Name here, the Head of Sales and Operations for the Elite Cars, who are the authorised distributor for Jatua in the UAE. So uh, thanks, Ellie, for hanging around. Ellie, I'm going to refer you to another question that came in during uh, during Fixed or Flipper, and this is um, a message that said, Hi, Damien, my friend Jorvika is considering a Jatua uh, or an X70, uh, 92,000 dirhams, million kilometre warranty. Uh, what's my opinion about them? It's from Sony. Um, so, look, rather than me giving an opinion, because I've just driven it and uh, given it, what, t- tell us a, a little bit more about this car for uh, for his friend Jobica. X70? <laughs> yes. X70 is the uh, most affordable uh, model in the Jutour brand. And uh, really, it's going uh, very, very well. So we start selling the car a couple of years back and we have been testing this car. Also, we are supporting the manufacturer here with everything related to the cooling, the AC, the heat, everything. So the car is is really perfect, doing very, very well. And we can see a lot of cars on the street. So of course, it's a very affordable car to have. And that's a five-seater, is it? Seven-seater. It's also a seven-seater. Seven seater. Okay. It's okay. a seven-seater. Yeah. Uh, has a four-cylinder engine, 1.5 turbo, delivering 157 horsepower. And this car, basically, the starting price is 69,000 dirham in UAE. And for sure, I advise her yeah. to, uh, to buy the car. And it's a really amazing car to drive and very very spacious also so for for a family or even for a, um, a single or or um, mm. say it's a very very good car to have. so there you go sony um if you i'd, I'd suggest for for your friend jobica take it for a drive take the dashing for a drive as well it's a little bit more out of the pocket but uh and you get a little bit more power as well different styling but um but yeah two two different types of cars that might answer your questions so uh yeah thanks for that one earlier on um now, what? Tell me about the the background with the elite cars, um, and why did they decide? Because the elite cars, when people see the the, the branding on down the main down the main road, Shakes Road and around, they think car dealership. But but you're an actually become a distributor with this car. Tell me why the elite cars has moved into dis- distribution. Of course, 
we were talking with you a few weeks ago with the 8 million dirham Zenvo that you also distribute in the region. Um, why the shift into distribution? Definitely. The Elite Cars basically is one of the leading uh, automotive uh, dealership in the UAE. And uh, because of that and our aim of for us to be the, the number one, to be honest, and uh, not only focusing on the ultra-luxury uh, brand that we basically were selling, and also we need to cater to every single segment in the uh, UAE market. That's why Jitour was one of the, uh, let's say, the target that uh, we needed to have in our portfolio to make sure that also we cover all, all the uh, segment in the UAE market. We know that uh, it's evolving big time. And for us, and with our experience for more than 25 years in this UAE market, and not only in the UAE, in the GCC, so we said, yes, let's go for something uh, very interesting like Jitour. Mm. We know the uh, current situation of the brand. We, need, we know the future and what's coming. So we've invested a lot. Also, we've been uh, getting the full support from the factory from their end also. And as I said, for us, there is no limit. So we're basically covering all, all the segment of, of customers in the UAE to make sure that from our experience as, as a multi-luxury automotive showroom, so we're going to keep on delivering the best customer experience with Jitour to make sure mm -hmm. that everyone is really um, getting the best services from the day they enter the showroom till they have their special car. Because for us, selling a car to the customer is a dream. And we have to make sure that we are ready to deliver this message. Mm -hmm. So for and us, we're evolving and we'll keep evolving to have yeah. more and more. As you said, we have Zenvo recently yeah. also. <laughs> so we're covering all the You've got it segments. all covered. How's the, uh, in, in terms of getting supply of Jatua into the market, are those, are those crazy post-COVID days of supply issues, problems, is that gone, or is it, are you getting product through? You're still a bit of a bit of a delay on getting getting stuff through. No, we're okay now. Everything is in line now. So we have a uh, basically our plan. Uh, every month we have cars coming to the UAE market, so there is no issue at all. Mm. So now the customer can have the car anytime he want for sure, yeah. and the supply chain back to normal. So we're we're very good and on track. Amazing. Um, Chris, talking about Chinese cars in general, China produced more than 26 million cars in 2021, um, which is a lot more than the 9.7 million that was uh, that, that came out of the United States, that's for sure. China also exported more than a million cars in the first quarter of this year, according to the uh, country's Association of Automobile Manufacturers, um, and had overtaken Japan as the world's biggest exporter of cars. Tell me about the, the, the top-selling Chinese cars at the moment. And it's a staggering amount of cars, isn't it's it? It's ridiculous. It's crazy, out, yeah. It? Yeah, um, well... Obviously, G-Tour is very popular, um, with the Elite Class also being a client of ours on Diviso. I can, I've just had a look. I've just gone straight to G-Tour immediately, and I found 74 cars listed for sale. Wow. First one I see here is the Elite Class. Look at this car of the day. It's the X90, a 2024 model right there as well. Yeah. Um, and it is the X90 is not as popular as the X70. The dashing is also quite a popular car out there as well. It's all down to the uh, the prices to the cost-effective solution. 
Um, but then you've got things like the JCJ7. Mm. Now, if I remember correctly, Jack used to have a partnership with Mitsubishi. Yep. I think they ran yep. the Mitsubishi engines. That obviously helped them a lot. They had that ultra-reliable engine underneath. They still seem to be quite popular. There's two Changans. There's a Changan Uni-K and a Changan Uni-T. Now, these are really cool-looking cars. One of them is a really low-slung kind of crossover that if you if you looked from far away, yeah. it kind of looks like an Urus. Yes, yeah. I'm probably gonna get. I'm probably getting trouble for saying that. Someone's <laughs> gonna send me a shirty message comparing a Chinese car to a uh, an exotic Italian. No, I but, don't know. I just did before. <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. Uh, but uh, it's free in here. Go for it. They've got some incredible <laughs> styling, and it's, I think that's really helping them as well with those cost-effective solutions. Is they're starting to come into their own element. They're starting to design really nice-looking cars. Um, Hong uh, Hong Chi. I said that correctly. I think that's the way. Honshi, yeah. Um, yeah. They they have the EH uh, S9. That's their electric car. Um, they've got a they've got some massive grills on those things. You can spot mm. them a mile away. Um, GAC. I know they've been quite popular for a while. I think Gargash is the yeah. distributor for that. Um, they're I think their most popular is that big SUV that they have. Oh, that is the GS8. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the my personal favorite. As I said before, is the the Gili Coolre. Um, again, a low slung coupe. Uh, well, crossover yeah. uh, with some fantastic features and some great um, price tags on them. Yeah. Do, do you think, I mean, a lot of people assume that Chinese car must be electric. And, and, and it's just crazy how people have quickly changed their mentality around thinking that, even to the point where, you know, I, I see them on the street and go, oh, oh no, it's a combustion engine. Um, are people opting more for electric or combustion engines? cars that are coming out of China? I think it's a mix of both because it seems to be all the manufacturers have thought about it as well. They bring in, say, one or two electric versions, but then they bring in three and four uh, combustion versions. Mm. And then they'll either have a combustion ver- uh, sorry, an electric version of that combustion car, but it seems to be they're bringing a good mix of the two. I think actually, more, well, yeah, going back to it, more of them are petrol-powered, um, and obviously they know that there's a demand for electric cars here. Mm. But... It seems to be more the way of uh, combustion. Yeah, Ellie, uh, any, any thoughts on on uh, Chatur bringing electric vehicles out to the market? Yes, of course. Uh, now the next step will be hybrid, mm-hmm. and now Chatur brand is basically testing all the EV models. So hopefully by twenty twenty four, we're gonna see the EV full EV. EV full EV yeah. in the market. Yes. Yeah, I mean the, the Chinese market, you know, is it's it's. it's their, their move towards EV is phenomenal. However, they are still producing combustion engines. Uh, one of the things I found was um, uh, ROWI, which is, which is SAIC, um, are producing a, a plug-in hybrid with a 1,400-kilometre range out of this car. It's going to be revealed later this year. Um, the, the D7 model has an electric cruising range of 125 kilometres, 1,200 from the combustion engine. Now, the interesting thing is that China, because China's an effectively a startup car industry, right? They've they came from from nowhere to bang straight in there in the past five years or so, and they've had every chance to go EV only, um, and yet they're still running with combustion engines to the point where, uh, with with this hybrid engine from from Rowie, I noticed the other day, they're only just beginning development of this new combustion engine now, and it's part of their three year plan to release eight new models of SUV, MPV, compacts, mid-size, large saloon cars in the next three years. So there is still there is still hype, but they'll all be hybrids, I'm pretty sure, but there is still combustion engine, brand new ones coming out of the Chinese market. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of markets out there that would obviously relinquish the fact that the Chinese are entering with their, you know, cost-effective solutions. 
there are a lot of markets out there. Not, I mean, the UAE has a very strong market when it comes to electric cars. They're really trying to push that initiative. You know, they're offering a lot of incentives to those who are buying electric cars. Um, but outside of the United Arab Emirates and other markets, let's look at places like Africa and mm. uh, Southeast Asia. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them do look at Chinese cars. And of course, um, with them still building uh, ICE units, as you said, they're bringing eight. And that fuel mileage is staggering, 1,200 kilometers to a tank of fuel. And that's in a hybrid car, which normally has a smaller petrol tank to accommodate the petrol, the electric motor. Which is a staggering amount. I think an Accord can do somewhere close to that. It's about 1,000 kilometers to a tank. Mm. That's if you have the perfect driving conditions. But this is a brand new motor they're bringing in. And again, it's that. It's always going back to it. It's that cost-effective solution for emerging markets. So I think that's probably what the Chinese are looking at as well. They're looking at, right, we can sell these cars here. But we can also enter this market, so we're kind of going to put, you know, our foot in both door, uh, mm. both doors. So we'll go one way, and then we'll go the other. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's fascinating stuff. And as you say, outside of the, the metropo- metropolises of, of Shanghai and Beijing and Guangzhou and all these places, in the regional areas of China, and I've driven through them, is there's there's really no charging areas out in the countryside. So you do have to have that kind of thing as well. So, um, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that one. Uh, but look, that's what I've pretty much got time for on, on this one. So, um, Ellie Neem, Head of Sales and Operations for the Elite Cars, authorised distributor for Zutua. Thanks for coming in this morning. Thank you. Thank you so much. Pre- and uh, thank you for having me here Pre- today. And also, I need to add one important sure, thing. Sure, absolutely. One important message to our customers and our um, of course, our fans that please visit us in our showrooms in Dubai and, and Abu Dhabi. Discover the full range of G-Tours. The cars are available for test drives. And more of that, today we also uh, went aggressive with a summer offer. Mm. And the car will be, our cars will be basically on display in uh, Merdiv city center. So also our consumer and c- can go and, uh, and experience the car live in the mall plus they can avail a very very uh, aggressive summer offer so this is something really special and i would like to announce it from from dubai eye and thank you again for having me here and uh, wish you all the best always a pleasure get down to shake zoda and have a look at the the showroom and you're also building a new showroom i think yes yes, yes. um that's all sure. happening right now yeah yeah we're so. building a new showroom and we're expanding across all uae and sooner, soon we'll be also heading to the north of the Emirates. So at the moment, we're covering Dubai and Abu Dhabi uh, service centers also across the UAE. And soon we will be moving to under other part of Emirates. So to make sure that we cover all the places in the UAE and for sure to support all our clients. Amazing. Thank you so much, Ellie from the Elite Cars. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is Motormania with Damien Reed. Yes, welcome back. I'm Damien Reed, and you're listening to Motormania. And I'm joined in the studio this morning by Chris Milbourne of De Bizzle, who's sticking around for the rest of the show. And uh, thanks for doing that, uh, Chris, because we've got some really cool stuff. Not that wasn't cool, but we've got some more cool stuff coming on now. Um, I found myself in the uh, in uh, like a kid in a chocolate shop. I found myself in the Dallara factory in Italy. To say I'm, to say I'm jealous with envy is probably the wrong way to say this because <laughs> – you know, when you hear Delara, Delara are known for building some of the best race car chassis out there. Yeah. You know, every form of single-seater motorsports, even 
uh, hypercars, even GT cars. There is a Delara chassis underneath somewhere there. Amazing stuff. And you know, as I say, they, they are, I, I look at them as being the, the name behind the name of Italian supercars. Uh, they're, they're, of course, in the Emilia-Romagna region, which is home to Motor Valley, that, uh, where all the supercar manufacturers and superbike manufacturers are based. So I was lucky enough to speak to uh, uh, Dalma Zanelli, who's the head of aerodyn- aerodynamics at Delara. And um, I wanted to start with the history of the brand. And I want to know more about Giampaolo Dallara, the founder. Um, he, he, as I said, he's he's like the man behind all Italian supercars. He's worked for Lamborghini, he's worked for Maserati, he's worked for Ferrari, and he's worked for a whole lot more. So uh, Dalma uh, told me this. Mr. Dallara, first of all, uh, he was born in this village, and this is the reason why we are here now, in Varano de Melegar, in this village uh, close to Parma. He graduated in uh, Polytechnic of Milan in 59, and then he moved quickly to Ferrari at the time when Enzo Ferrari was there. So he was working together with Enzo Ferrari. And I have to say that he is one of few men that have worked with these big, let's say, heroes of the motorsport, Enzo Ferrari, Ferruccio Lamborghini, and uh, unbelievable. Then he moved to Maserati, then to Lamborghini, where he did the Lamborghini Miura, that was the symbol, one of the most iconic cars of the 60s. And then he moved to the Tommaso, uh, working together with, uh, let's say, Frank Williams. They were very, very, very close. I, I remember Frank Williams many times here visiting Mr. Dallara in the factory. Amazing. Yes, absolutely. They were so close. They were so close. And then he founded the company in '72. Uh, the company was uh, originally obviously based on on the racing and the DNA, our DNA is from motorsport and racing. We grew up with uh, not only with the Dallara Racing Car, but also with uh, many collaboration with uh, important uh, OEMs. And then he moved, uh, growing up and growing up, we moved to the United States in the second half of the uh, 90s, winning the first Indy 500 in 98. In terms of tools, uh, I have to remember the first wind tunnel in Italy with moving belt at mid of 80s, the first uh, uh, carbon chassis on a commercial car with the F3 of uh, uh, 85, the research center uh, for the carbon and in general the lightweighting. And now we are here in this uh, museum, but uh, this is, let's say, an add-on part of his, in Mr. Dallara's mind, a school, basically a school. He would have liked to have here in, in his village a school to grow up the engineers for the motorsport, dedicated to the motorsport. Amazing stuff. And of all the places I visited while I was over there, which is, you know, Maserati, Lamborghini, Dallara, um, uh, this was this was the place that, that that blew me away the most because just the history of what was going on there. I mean, you know, Giampaolo Dallara, he he was at the factory when I was there on the day. He's ninety four years old. He still goes to work every day. Has his office. Has his sandwich at, at lunch. Or no, he's Italian. He has pasta and everything else. Um, <laughs> hence why he's still going to work at ninety four. Uh, but you know, he worked for. Enzo Ferrari. He worked for Ferruccio Lamborghini. He worked for Maserati. He worked for Di Tommaso. He's covered everything, then went on his own. Every, and as you know, Chris, being a motorsport guy, every IndyCar chassis at present is a Dallara. Nearly every Formula 2 and Formula 3 chassis are Dallara. They ended F1 in their own right back in the early 90s, uh, but they currently provide the chassis for Haas F1. Um, they do the the body construction for a number of Le Mans type cars. Cadillac is there. Their wind tunnel has never switched off. It's an amazing place. You you've got to go. Yeah, it's yeah. They 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 have such a rich history in motorsport. It's incredible. And then they started making 
uh, street legal cars. It's, yes, you which know, I and, got and, to drive. It, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up and leave now. Where's the door? Uh, and if, there's, if I'm not mistaken, there's even one here. There's a Shadale here, isn't yes, there? There's yes, yes. So Marwan um, uh, Al-Sakal, he, he won't mind me saying it because he likes showing it off. He's got one here. And uh, the Dallara guys were like, say hello to our, to our friend Marwan. And so, uh, and is he yes. the only one that's here, correct? Um, I believe so. I've never seen another one. And it's always been the same colour, so I assume it's the only one that's here. Yeah. But like you said, they have such an incredible history. I mean, uh, like you said, single-seaters, even the uh, the Renault Spark uh, for the – sorry, the Spark for um, uh, Formula E. Yes, They, they yes. were responsible for the chassis of the iconic 037 that Lancia built. Yeah. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. Absolutely. The the, the Lancia Le Mans cars in the, in the World, World Sports Car Championship back in the day, the, the – the, the Lancia Beta cars that ran at Le Mans, even going right back to those stuff, you know, incredible stuff. And you know, walking around the walking around the, the factory, there were guys wearing Haas jackets, there were guys wearing Cadillac jackets, totally different championships. This is in, this was before uh, in the weeks leading up to Le Mans, um, but the guys were Haas were were doing their their aero upgrades for their F1 cars, and uh, had a look in the wind tunnel, saw a one third scale model. Of a, of a couple of cars in there, but they had a cover over one of them, and they even put they even put um, uh, some boards inside the cover to sort of break up the look even more. And they said, "Look, we we can't show you what that is. That we're working on that for a client." And of course, the Cadillac LMP car is so distinctive. As soon as I saw like the the shark fin on the back, of it, I said, "That's the Cadillac, right?" And he goes, oh, "We didn't tell you that, but yeah." I said, "Okay," because they're doing last minute refinements before taking the cars to Le Mans. So, you know, in one corner you've got Le Mans cars and in another corner you've got Formula One cars. Uh, then they've got the one-third scale uh, wind tunnel car of the the Audi DTM car because they did, if you look at those who are really into their motorsport, know uh, the, the DTM era from the previous generation, not the GD3 current generation, um, everything from the door line down is uh, is common across all the, GD, all the DTM cars and that was the Lara. So all that wind tunnel stuff as well. Um, pretty much every Italian professional racing driver and F1 driver has either driven for Dallara or has driven a Dallara built car of some type. Yeah, the the DTM thing is incredible. Uh, the the GT3 spec nowadays is probably not as great as the glory days of the silhouettes. No, I think all the yeah, brands that were yeah. racing with them as well. It's incredible. But what, what's interesting about Dallara cars, what I find uh, interesting anyway, is you know how Ferrari... Uh, build cars and then that basically funds their race team. Yeah. Delara's kind of the opposite, isn't it? They just have yeah. the race, they just uh, provide uh, the chassis, everything like that for race teams. And then, what was it, 2017? I think they delivered their first ever road legal car. Yeah, they decided we'll finally get into a road, road legal car. And and the uh, the size of the, uh, the manufacturing line is probably a quarter of the length of a soccer pitch. You know, it's, it's not long at all. You look one end, there's a start, look the other end, there's the exit, and the car rolls out the door. So we jumped into the Dallara Stradale and went for a run. It's powered by um, uh, an uh, Audi four-cylinder engine, but still 400 horsepower. But the car only weighs 890 kilos, so it's incredibly light. Yeah, it's, and like, it's like a Lotus, isn't it? That- it reminds me of the KTM Expo in terms of that carbon fiber tub that you sit in. You pull the, the lid down on top of you. Um, but my goodness, is it quick. Uh, it's it's phenomenal stuff. So yeah, they're just getting into into the road car thing. They're going to do a few more, but their focus is very much on motorsport and supply, being the supplier to everyone else. So you know, we wouldn't have an IndyCar Championship now if it wasn't for Dallara. 
I just, I mean, I can't believe that how fast you're saying these cars are because, like you said, they probably weigh what 600 kilos, if that. Yeah. Probably round that figure. You know, they don't weigh anything. You can, if you put it in uh, neutral, you could probably push it, push it, and you yeah. don't need any effort to do that. And then they've got these little little engines. They're little uh, four cylinder engines. Probably. Well, you said it comes from an Audi. So what would that be? It would be uh, definitely two liter or less displacement. And then they crank yeah. up the turbo on that thing, and then off it goes. It's like a rocket, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, I see it's got the they got the ethos like uh, Lotus. It's all about how light the car is. You don't need to have a massive V8 or a V12 under the bonnet. If you look at Formula 1 nowadays, they're all V6, 1.6-litre engines, aren't they? Yeah. And if you have confidence in the chassis, and they're all about chassis, you never lift. Exactly. <laughs> you, <laughs> never, you just you go. never lift. <laughs> so that was, uh, yeah, that, that was Delara. That was our visit through, uh, through the Motor Valley to, uh, to visit Delara. We've got, uh, we got more of that coming up in the, uh, in the next few weeks. This is Motor Mania on Dubai Eye 103.8. The UAE's number one talk radio station. Yes, welcome back. I'm Damien Reed, and you're listening to Motor Mania. And I'm still joined by Chris Milbourne of DeBizzle, social media and content manager down there. Uh, now, Chris, uh, we were just talking off air about the um, this new car that I had a look at. And you must get down to the Museum of the Future to check out uh, this amazing concept car by Audi. It's being dubbed as the car of the future. It's completely autonomous, slick design, no dashboard, no steering wheel. I don't know what your thoughts about these cars that are becoming fully autonomous, that there's no steering wheel, kind of losing that edge one day that we're going to not be driving whatsoever. I don't know how you feel about that. To me, it feels very strange. I mean, I haven't been driving for, I've been driving for less than 10 years and it seems so weird that cars are now, you know, they're revealing concepts without steering wheels. Well, it's kind of a question that no one asked. It's an answer to a question no one asked because no one asked me whether I wanted to not drive anymore. Yeah, that's a good point actually. uh, And I'd like to know who, who, who did they ask that said they don't want to drive anymore? But it's kind of being thrust, thrust upon us. But anyway, it is. Um, so Audi is going ahead with it, as are many other manufacturers. But this car here, the AI-Con, it's the third concept car to be, to do, to be displayed by the uh, Museum of the Future by Audi just this year. So this one is a GT-style car. It's a two doors, four seats. But as I said, there is no steering wheel, not even as a backup, not even as a redundancy. So what this is, it's a full level five autonomous vehicle. The car's actually been designed backwards uh, in, in so far as the interior design has got the first shot at how this car is going to be designed before the exterior design, which is completely the the, the opposite way of it normally happens. So that tells you uh, a bit of uh, where the future of this car is going. So anyway, I spoke with um, Elmir Anutovic, who is the Director of Marketing and Communications of uh, Audi Middle East, and he told me a little bit about their collaboration, firstly, with the museum. Through the partnership, we actively contribute to the Tomorrow Today exhibition, where we showcase our latest concept cars. Each car is only there for a limited amount of time and gives visitors the opportunity to experience the cutting-edge innovation and technology which shapes the future of mobility firsthand. Our collaboration with the museum allows us to engage a diverse audience, from the general public to policymakers, sharing the importance of sustainability and future tech. To support our holistic approach to the adoption of electric vehicles, we've also invested in crucial infrastructure. One example is the Audi installed charging hub at the museum, which is equipped with customised Audi electric chargers. So that gives you an idea of Audi's relationship with the Museum of the, fu- of the Future. It makes a lot of sense because car manufacturers are looking towards the future. And as Elmia said, they've got charging bays downstairs in the basement as well and alongside the police charging bays and various other bits and pieces. But the car is on display there uh, with, with some other bits and pieces. So um, really interesting stuff. Here's the rest of our chat where you told me about the concept behind this uh, AI con. 
the one that we currently have in the museum, the Acon, is not the latest AI concept car study, but it was one of the last AIs, which has been uh, of the original trilogy. Yeah? Today we demonstrate future of premium mobility through our sphere concepts. Um, but the Acon that we have in the museum now is a autonomous driving level five concept study. Put it this way, it's kind of what future of luxury mobility is going to be like. Yeah? Level five negates the need for a steering wheel. It's all about the interior. It's all about your experience in the product as opposed to more like an inside out concept. Yeah, Amazing. We're going to have a closer look, yeah. as close as we can anyway, because mm -hmm. it's a very valuable car. And on that point, just tell me some of the logistics that had to be involved because this car is one of one. It's the only one that they've made and it's normally reserved for high-end motor shows and we're so lucky to have this car here. Tell me how, what, what was required to get past the security processes and bring this car over to, to sit here at the Museum of the Future. Yeah, it's a lot of work to bring them out here, obviously, um, because they are just studies. They are priceless. They're one of ones. Uh, they come straight from, Ger from Audi's design center in Germany. It's a team of people that operates behind them. Uh, a lot of security, a lot of protocol, a lot of admin. They come with dedicated operators. They're not um, vehicles that you can just push onto a ramp. They have technology because they are studies and they are test beds essentially for new tech that we're going to see on the roads in 10, 15 years time. They come with people and operators who are solely licensed to operate them. From a logistics point of view, you can imagine how complicated that is. So we can't touch it, right? You and I can't, even you can't touch the car? No, not allowed to, yeah. <laughs> Being level five, now to those people, autonomous vehicles, you go through five levels of autonomy. We're, we're, we're already at level three with a lot of cars, yeah. and that means you can take your hand off the wheel for a short time, and you get the buzzer, and you must put your hand back on the wheel. But level five is fully self-driving, right? And th that must free your mind as a designer to do all sorts of different things to a car because you're no longer focused about driving. So I noticed here it's got a very pronounced hip line on that window line that in normal in normal situation I'm looking at it would be right in my eyesight but what, what's the reasoning behind this? So this is the first design study which was designed from the inside out. Traditionally car designers approach concepts and future design studies with the exterior first. They sketch the shape, exterior shape, and then the interior is sort of left all the way at the end. Yeah, This was the approach, this was done the other way around, which very much signifies where the future of kind of these products is going to go going forward. For too long we have been just passengers in a, in a very nice looking kind of metal object, but now the situation's being turned around a little bit and now it's our time and our time and the time being the keyword here, how you spend it in the car, what happens, you spend a lot of your time driving, what happens when you do drive, how can that experience be bettered. Icon was the first design study for that. Since then, we've seen many that comes out. So this car was designed from the inside out. It's very much a lounge concept. So if you look at it in, inside, mm -hmm. it's all about you and the space around you. The line that you are referring to is the hip line, which essentially sits at eye line when you're sitting inside, and it extends a little bit out, which provides you with that visual indication of the large amount of space. Yeah, And because it sits in your eye line to you, visually it indicates that that's an extremely, extremely roomy vehicle. 5.4 meters. That's long. Very long. That's a long car. Very, very yeah. long. Uh, I, I think like if you look back, say, the previous generation A8 was around about 5.2 meters or something Similar. like that. So this yeah. is, it's yeah. a deceptively large car. Yeah. 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 It was one of the first concept cars to feature and, and uh, study all wheel steering a couple of years back. Uh, four electric motors, 260 kilowatts, which equates to around 360 horsepower, 550 Newton meters of torque. Level five, full autonomy. 
artificial intelligence. So the more time you spend with it, the more it becomes part of your everyday. You're the passenger, in effect. So what that means is you get to do some amazing different design concepts. It's, as you say, it's all about the passenger. So therefore, we have a much larger glass house area, which is the people, the occupants inside the car. Because with the electric motors, you don't have the room, you don't need the room for the large hood for the, the big combustion engine. So you can bring a whole lot of more space forward, but also push it further back, which gives you an enormous interior with these level five cars. And that's one of the things, right, where, as you say, and I've never really thought of this before, but the interior designers now get their say first, and then the guys around the exterior, they come in second. And you can see that here with, uh, with, this, uh, with this level five car. What sort of features from AI cars that are filtered through to the road, things like, as I say, you know, you take your hand off the wheel for a short time, level three. These are all features that appeared in concepts previously, right? Yeah, I mean, if you just look at the most basic feature you use pretty much on the daily, which is your cruise control. Yeah. Where it's headed is ensuring that it's 100% about you yeah, and about your experience. Audi is going to offer connectivity services in the next couple of years with every new product that comes up that are going to be able to, that are going to allow you as the operator to customize your experience within the vehicle from wellness to operations of the actual car itself to, uh, it's essentially an experience device. Yeah, so that was uh, Elmir Anatovich, the uh, Director of Marketing and Communications for Audi Middle East. Um, really interesting stuff, Chris, about where it's going. Different design themes as well. You're sitting lower in the car, so you, you don't need to have the windscreen in front of you. You can relax. Yeah, I, I do like the fact that it's, I, I mean, maybe after that conversation, an, an, an autonomous car has grown on me somehow. Um, but it kind of like the fact that it's kind of like a lounge on wheels, right? So you don't mm. have to stress about... Uh, stop start traffic the car will do that for you you can just probably swivel your chair around and you can kick back and relax or you can you know scroll uh, scroll social media maybe scroll to bizzle for another autonomous vehicle that you can take on the weekends well that, that's the other thing too that we we didn't really get into because i couldn't uh, get obviously get inside the car but it has a full 180 degree display that goes across where the dash normally is but then down the di down the side so ultra high definition screen where it gives you information off various other screens, plus also it can project a few things off the uh, off the windscreen as well. If you're looking at uh, you know emails or googling or, or, or you know, uh, navigation or movies. So obviously the one thing that I do have a concern for here is the safety aspect of things. Without a steering wheel, there's no airbag that will you know go off in your face. Yeah. So where would those airbags come from? Because surely they won't be able to come from the back of the screen, would they? No, that's a good point. So, and but I guess this is the whole point of a concept, isn't it? Because there's. Yeah, you know, they're looking at what they can do. Yeah, it's still very much work in progress, of course. So all, all that's got to come, got to go past the safety legislators. Yeah, looking <laughs> at, at it, though, point. as you you described it before, um, I didn't see any pictures of it. It's a really good-looking car, especially from yeah. that back. Like you said, it's a really gorgeous car. Yeah. So there you go. Um, that's about it for this edition of Motormania. Thanks, thanks, Chris, for uh, for, for joining us. Um, really appreciated that. Thanks for having me. Thanks for everyone else who, uh, who, who, who joined in earlier today as well. This is Motormania on Dubai I 103.8. The UAE's number one talk radio station. Good morning and welcome to Motormania. I'm Damien Reed, and this is the only interactive car show on UAE radio where we're going to give you lots of motoring advice. We'll talk about what's happening in the car world and we'll also, of course, let you have your say on road safety issues as well. And we'll be keeping you company all the way through until noon. And here's just a little tease of what is coming up. Well, this morning we're talking about Chinese cars. And if you're thinking about getting a Chinese car, well, we've pretty much got you covered on this one. I have Chris Milbourne from Debizzle in the studio later on to give us the lowdown 
on the uh, relatively new cars to the market. I've also been driving around in the Jatua car, the new Chinese brand that's here as well. So I'll give you my thoughts on that. And we'll be joined in the studio by a spokesperson from the Elite Cars, who is the distributor of Jatua in the UAE as well. We'll also be continuing our Italian luxury car series, and we're going to take a closer look at the race car maker Dallara. If you've not heard of Dallara, think of them as the name behind the name of Italian supercars, Ferrari, Lamborghini, Di Tommaso, Maserati, a whole lot more. And uh, that is... uh yeah, these guys have contributed an awful lot to the Italian community down there in the Motor Valley. So I've been catching up with the head of aerodynamics, Dalama Zinelli, about that one. All that and a whole lot more is uh, coming up. But right now, it's time for... Fix it or flip it. Yeah, tell us about your car. We'll tell you how much it's worth. And this is how it works. It's easy. We need the details about your car. We need the make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage... And I usually say that I'm not doing it alone, but I kind of am today because the studio's a little a little empty. However, I haven't been abandoned. Naz Chowdhury is still with us, and he joins us on the line. He's going to give you all the cars and prices on the spot. And, uh, yeah, he's uh, – well, everyone is a vacating for summer vacation, and you can't blame him, and I don't blame you, Naz, for taking time off and going <laughs> enjoying the beautiful summer weather in England. But thank you so much for uh, for, for getting on, online with us this morning on Microsoft Teams. Um, how is how is that beautiful weather over there, I believe, is – from what I saw from Goodwood yesterday, it's a little wet, right? <laughs> Wait, thank you for having me on the show, first of all. Um, I'm actually at uh, Emirates Lounge at Manchester Airport flying back. Um, and it's been raining for the whole week. I've been here for seven days and it's rained for every single day that I've been here. So, yeah, it's been uh, Let's say it's been pleasant, you know. <laughs> yeah, you, so you, you haven't, you didn't get, didn't get a chance to go to. Everyone seems to be down at Goodwood. It's the other end of the country, of course. But uh, news yeah, through this morning that it was actually rained out today. Yeah, it's been raining all week. I think they said the next week or so it's going to be the hottest week on record. So I think I just missed it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw this one at you, um, uh, Naz, because we've got some research from Ali and Sons that found that uh, women have more influence in the decision-making process when it comes to purchasing a new family car, particularly in the age group of 45 and above. I'm not holding you to that. I, I don't know your age. I'm not going to ask you. But uh, <laughs> when it comes to buying cars in your, your household, who, who, who gets to say? Is it, is it your wife or yourself? <laughs> <laughs> so personally, in my household, of course, I'm a car guy. So luckily, everyone takes my opinion. <laughs> uh, but being in the car trade and selling cars over the years, I can definitely uh, agree to what Ali and Son's uh, research report says because the amount of times we've got the car, we've got the, the male customer right where we want him. He's ready to put a deposit down and then he has to call the missus and then all of a sudden, the deal's on hold for 24, 48 hours. So, yeah, I definitely vouch for Ali and Sons research. I could have told them that. <laughs> <laughs> well, they also found out, too, within the same age group, 41% of the participants noted that children have a significant role in the process as well. Uh, in contrast, for individuals aged 35 to 44, joint decisions are commonly made, while men aged 25 to 34 primarily take charge of the decision-making process when it comes to purchasing a new family car. So, yeah, and now... It seems the kids are having a big influence as well as to uh, what sort of car mum and dad should have. Yeah, and it's really nice to see that, actually. So in the showroom, you know, you get families coming down and the kids jump in their back. And, you know, they like the rear headdress, the rear TV headdress. They like the uh, headphones in the back. Uh, they like electric seats in the back. And I have seen that a lot. And it's really nice to see, you know, family get, families getting together and making those choices together. Uh, but the kids definitely do have the influence as well. So I think the guy, unfortunately, just has to pay for it and then just uh, <laughs> make sure the wife and kids are happy. You know? 
Right, well, let's let's get into it. We've got uh, Sanjay has texted. He's got a 2017 Audi A7, a 3.5 TFSI, uh, 98,000 kilometres, white with a chocolate brown interior, full service history from Nabuda. Uh, 92,000, um, uh, yeah, full options on that one. With the, he's got 98 and 92,000, so... Let's 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 give you the benefit of the doubt. Let's go with ninety two thousand kilometers. Did you say it's two thousand seventeen? Yeah, two thousand seventeen, three point five TFSI A seven. You know, being in the UK, I was about to say twenty five thousand pounds, but I guess you have to look at the Dubai <laughs> prices. <don't we? laughs> uh, so for a car like that, uh, generally they're fully specced. I'm assuming it's the S line, uh, being the TFSI model. Yeah, I'd say around hundred, hundred and five thousand dirham somewhere there. Okay, yeah, that's around the price range. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, more than likely a sport line, I would have thought. Uh, Hassan has uh, has texted in, Good morning, thank you for the program. Just a question, a Mercedes full option GCC spec 2016, excellent condition, 150,000 kilometres. Yeah, unfortunately, Hassan, you need to give us the model. Um, There are lots of Mercedes in 2016, so look, we're going to put that one on hold and hopefully Hassan is listening and might want to, uh, because there's no point giving him Uh that. (laughs) I panicked for a second. There. I was like, Mercedes, hmm, which Mercedes? Yeah. So, Hassan, if you are listening, just let us know. Is it a C-class, an E-class, an S-class, a G-class, a GL, anything? Um, it would help an awful amount. Okay, now we're talking about Chinese cars, and here's one. Hi, is it recommended to buy Lincoln Co. in the UAE? If so, where do you service it? This is from Anna. Um, what's, what's your thoughts on that one, Naz? Lincoln Co., have you, ever, have you had any experience with them in this region? In all honesty, I haven't. I don't even think I've seen one on the road. No. So, uh, and I'm not even sure. I'm so sorry. I don't even know who the uh, main distributor is, if there is one. That's the thing. I, Do I don't think there is one. It's the Lincoln Co., of course, is a Chinese brand, uh, a prestige Chinese brand. And you see them in other markets. But I honestly haven't seen one here. And I, yeah, me too. I know there's not an official distributor, so it would be a it would be a grey import through uh, through somewhere. But I, even then, I haven't seen one on the street. Yeah, I mean, look, my my honest opinion of this is, uh, you know, the Chinese market is a very fast moving market. It's very competitive. Uh, there's lots of great brands out there that are already established that have a local franchise that have local partnerships within the region, and those are the ones you want to stick to. You know, whether it be as you mentioned, Jator. Or if you want something luxury, you go for the Hongqi brand, and we've got many, many other established brands. Um, so my recommendation would be, if they don't have a dealership in the UAE yet, then there's plenty of other Chinese car models to choose from. Um, just because being a relatively new car, you want to make sure you can take advantage of all the warranty and service contract benefits and things like that. And if you don't have a main dealer in the country then I'd stay away because there's so much more choice available these days. Oh, massively, isn't there? And we're, we're going to focus on Chinese cars a little later on. But uh, <laughs> there are so many. The, the the market is being flooded now with, uh, well, relatively speaking, I, anyway. I uh, honestly feel that I can't keep track. Yeah. Um, last count was about 14. Um, and <laughs> it just goes to show, I mean, if you look at the, the typical European brands, right? So you've got, you know, the Germans, Audi, Mercedes, uh, Audi, Mercedes, BMW, then you have, you know, Jaguar Land Rover, then you have the French, you know, the PSA group, Peugeot, Citroën. Like, you can count them on one hand, nine, right? Yeah. Uh, but coming out of China, there's more than that, and they're coming in strong, and they're doing big, big volume. So it'll be interesting to see how the landscape changes in the next five to ten years. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I got another text message here from Graham. This is this is one you're going to like. I have a 2010. Okay. <laughs> I have a 2010 BMW M5, um, full service history, and uh, it's uh, 170 thousand kilometres. Should I keep it? Should I sell it? <clears throat> so, I'd keep it. I mean, unfortunately, the mileage is slightly on the higher side. 
but being one of the last, you know, natural aspirated V10s, if I'm not mistaken, that is a solid, solid, solid car. Yeah. And uh, it's definitely not going to go down in value. I'm um, sorry, it's the uh, it's a V8 twin turbo, isn't it? But either way, that's yeah. not going to go down in value. And uh, it's definitely a car to hold on to, in my opinion, as long as you service it well, because they can get expensive when they go wrong. Yeah, and that model did... Um that was a big step up because the previous, as you said, the previous model was the V10. Now that's pretty much at the bottom of the, uh, yeah, the BMW the M market, so right? Mistaken. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so this is the F series. Still a great car, though. Still definitely a great car, and it's definitely going to start appreciating as has the you know the RS4s, the RS6s of that generation. They're really starting to appreciate in value now. Do you think that with the V10 though, the, the the servicing costs puts a lot of people off because that can be horrendous on those. On those ten, because that ten-cylinder engine only came out for that one model, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, yes, it it would definitely cost more. I mean, if you just look at the simple math, you know, Mobile One, Castrol, whatever you use, sixty, seventy dirhams a liter, then all of a sudden you need ten liters instead of six or eight liters, right? So then the price of the filter and things like that. Um, so there's definitely cost associated, but honestly, it's worth it. If you can hold on to V10 or V12 over the next five, ten years, happy days. Yeah, fantastic. Got another texter coming in. Hey, morning. I have a Porsche Boxster GTS. So hold that thought, Naz. It's a 2018, 36,000 miles uh, Boxster. I'll just get him on the line. Good morning. Hello. Good morning, Ahmed. Good. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Thanks. You, you, you must <laughs> have morning. heard me calling it and then quickly phoned up. Thanks for calling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was, that was quick, quick, too quick. <laughs> Fantastic, man. So, uh, yeah, so you got the Porsche Boxster GDS. Uh, tell, tell me more about yeah. it. Sure, yeah. So I actually bought it from Porsche directly, obviously the second-hand side. Uh, been maintained really well. Uh, all the services have been done with Porsche. So I want to know, you know, it's 2018 at the end of the day, and it's a GTS. Is it a good time to sell or should I keep? Well, over to you, Naz. Um, what, what do you think? Do you like the car? <laughs> I love the driving car. it. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah, the car. Uh, but it, it is a weekend car, though, for me. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I really think that Porsche did a great job with that GTS sweet spot, right? So you've always got the, the normal variant, then you have the S. Um, then for some of the other cars, the 911 and the Panamera, you have the turbo. But the GTS is really the sweet spot because, you know, it gives you all that performance, that sporty track feel, uh, yet you're in a relatively comfortable car, naturally aspirated. So they're, they're really, really, really good cars. Uh, in, terms of, in terms of price, I think, you know, these things are still holding really, really strong. I think last time I checked on Dubizzle, you know, there's similar for around 300,000 dirhams. I mean, realistically, they change hands at 280. Um, so I don't think you would have probably lost too much. Um, but if you're happy with it, then my advice would be hold on to it because I don't see it depreciating you know, rapidly. Uh, unless you want to upgrade to 911 GTS, then it's a different story. That that I was thinking the same thing. You know? So the GDS, I like I like the Boxster GDS, and I was thinking I would I would trade it if I was going up to say a GD4 Boxster or or, or a Cayman or something like, that, or as you pointed out, a 911. Um, but I mean. Yeah, uh, I'm a, a the, the 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 GDS Boxster is a is a lovely little car. It, it is. It so is. Well and the, the, the question, the the problem here was I bought it at two sixty from the showroom itself, but as you rightly mentioned, on Doobies it's like at three hundred right now. So you know, it's always a dilemma: do I get rid of it? What do I get next? And uh, that's why I phoned you guys up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, look, I think what's happened, especially with Porsches. How long have you had the car for? Um, two years. Yeah, so you bought it what just post COVID. So anyone yeah. who bought a Porsche, a, a 911, 
or you know any Porsche sports car in the past two years, uh, the car is probably still worth what they paid for it, if not slightly more. So, you know, best case scenario is you know you sell it, and um, you've had two years of free motoring, and uh, you upgrade yourself to 911. I don't work for Porsche, but I definitely recommend 911. <laughs> <laughs> Big fan. Well, well, thank you very much. Sounds a bit more uh, relaxed now to to make my decision. You, you got, <laughs> no problems whatsoever. You got plenty of time, but no problems at all. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much. Now we're going to go straight now to uh, to Rob. Good morning, Rob. Yeah, good morning, Damien. How are you this morning? Very well, thanks. Very well for a Saturday morning. Uh, now, you've got a Land Cruiser 100 Series um, 2007 model, and you're the first owner. Uh, let me know more about this uh, this Land Cruiser. Yes. We've, um, yeah, we bought it in 2007 straight out of the showroom. It was my wife's car originally, but I've inherited it uh, the last three or four years. Uh, she upgraded to another Land Cruiser straight from the showroom. So I'm just looking at um, whether what sort of value we would get for it. Um, it's it's been with us, you know. We've done lots of uh, camping trips and over overland trips to Oman. Um, it's 481. I'm in the car. Right? <laughs> 481,000 kilometres. Um, it. It leaks a bit of oil or a fair bit of oil, you know, about a litre each month. I just top it up and, um, yeah, just looking what sort of value I'd get for it. Now, it's 481,000 kilometres, but it's the, but it's the four-and-a-half-litre engine, so you shouldn't you shouldn't have too many problems with that. Uh, what, what are your thoughts, Naz? Yeah, it's good to see you got your money's worth, 400,000 <laughs> kilometres. <but laughs> I like that, I like that. But having said that, Indeed. even though you've got an oil leak, I think you'd be pleased. Uh, you'd be pleasantly surprised that whatever it is, it's not going to be an expensive repair. Generally, with these uh, uh, that kind of kilometers, it's the valve cover gaskets, or worst case, the front or rear crank seal. But you know, a competent Toyota garage will charge you two couple of thousand dirhams, and you can have that oil leak repaired, and many more years of happy motoring. As long as you service this thing, these things just go on forever and ever, don't they? Um, in yeah, terms no. of price, sadly, it is on the higher side. So the you know the the kilometers do impact you know had it had average mileage was around two hundred thousand for a car like yours uh, i'd say it'd be worth 50 55 000. they really hold their value but because it's got you know north of four hundred thousand kilometers um i'd say somewhere in the late 20s early 30s if you're lucky somewhere there okay right yeah early 30s yeah okay I don't, yeah, what, what were your thoughts to, yeah we're just trying to we're we're thinking, do we convert this? I, I've recently retired, actually, now. So um, we're, we're looking whether we convert this into, like, an overlanding camping vehicle. Um, and so whether we keep it and then just invest uh, some yes. money in, in getting the, the little foibles and the suspension upgraded, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, yeah. Sure, I, I'd, I'd definitely recommend that. Honestly, there's there's many places in uh, in Al Awir in the in the car market around the edges, and these guys just modify four by fours for a living. I think for the best part of five ten thousand dirhams, you can get like a roof rack with a tan, mm. uh, bigger off road wheels, suspension kits, metal bumpers. You can really have some fun with this thing. Relatively inexpensive, the, you know, the modifications on these are really really cost effective. Yeah, Roy, I hope that, yeah, uh, yeah. hope that gives you some thoughts. Yeah, that's brilliant, Damien. 
No problem Thanks at all. Very much. And, uh, yeah, the show's great as well. Always listening on the Saturday. Always appreciate it. Thanks, thanks so much, Thank Roy. Thank you so much. Pleasure. All right. Take care. Cheers. Bye, mate. Fix it or flip it. Yeah, that's right. Tell us about your car. We'll tell you how much it's worth. This is how it works. It's easy. We need the details about your car. We need the make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage. And uh, Naz, very quick one here. Um, A general question. How do uh, insurance companies calculate your car insurance premium? This is from Anthony. You know, it's a very strange question. It took me years to figure this out. Um, Very unlike in the UK where they look at like for example the postcode and you know, number of years no claims and things like that mm. what I found is it's a lot lot more straightforward in, in, in the UAE so if you're looking at third party insurance um, they, they look at the number of cylinders and uh, every additional two cylinders adds around 10-15% to the premium so you've got your four cylinder six cylinder eight cylinder twelve cylinder and it goes up by 100-150 dirhams respectively and then there's also a premium if it's a coupe. Um, so a two-door would always cost about 25%, 30% more than a four-door. And I think the logic is as simple as that. I'd love to hear someone's opinion from the insurance industry. Mm. Um, but from the multiple quotes and multiple insurances I've got over the years, it's the number of doors and the number of cylinders. Okay. <laughs> now, when it comes to fully comprehensive, that's very strange. Now, when it comes to fully comprehensive insurance, it's generally a percentage of the value of the vehicle. Um, so we're looking at competitive rates from about 1.8% of the value of the vehicle. Uh, again, if it's a two-door or a bigger engine car, then two and a half, three percent 3% of the value of the vehicle. So, you know, 200,000 dirham car at 2%, um, you're looking at 4,000 dirhams. Um, okay. So it seems very, very simple and straightforward, but I just can't see how they calculate it in any other way. <laughs> Yeah, you raise a good point. We should get someone from the insurance industry in here because I'm sure a lot of people who listen to Motormania would love to know about more about insurance. Um, and in case you're wondering, um, Naz and I are not having a party in here. Naz is joining us live via the Empress <laughs> Business Lounge in Manchester. So, <laughs> so uh, as he's waiting to catch his flight back to uh, back to Dubai. Um, but let's go straight. Let's go straight to the line, and we've got Ibrahim on the on the line. Uh, Ibrahim, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Uh, now you've got a very interesting car here. Tell me about this one. It's a bit of one for the muscle car fans. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, original owner, uh, it's a 2016 Shelby GT350, uh, avalanche gray uh, color. Uh, yeah, one of the first in town from what uh, Ford told me back then. And uh, I've, right now I'm at a stage where I'm just thinking, it's 38,000 kilometers, uh, so not, not driven too much, and uh, never tracked it as well, so it's a pretty, pretty clean. And, uh, yeah, I've been just thinking on what to do. Like, do I keep, do I sell it? I've been eyeing the, 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 the new Shelby, the GT, GT500 re- uh, recently, or whatever latest uh, or new model that Ford will come out, uh, bring out. So, yeah. Yeah, sure. What, uh, what, what made you uh, buy such a, such a niche car? Was, have you always been a Ford man? You've... Uh, yeah, it's, always, it's been a dream of mine to always own, ultimately, the uh, GT500. So uh, initially it was uh, the the 2012 uh, V8 Mustang, and yeah. then uh, when this came out, so I booked it like a year in advance, and then uh, and then yeah, now now looking at the next one. So, uh, but I'm, I was just thinking because you were just talking about insurance, and they're already uh, valuing valuing it at 120k. So okay. uh, with the latest uh, <laughs> with the latest one, so I was just thinking what. Such a car would 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 be worth these days if it's worth 
hanging on to it uh, or not. Yeah, there you go, Naz. Uh, muscle car fans, Shelby GT350 2016 model, uh, only 38,000 kilometres. Yeah, I must confess, I'm not really a fan of American cars, but when it comes to the GT, the Shelby series, it's a different story. I had a 1967 uh, GT500, Eleanor, we all know from the movie, and that was an absolutely phenomenal car. And since then, I've really, really got to enjoy and like love these cars. Now, the good news is, Ibrahim, it's definitely worth more than 120,000 dirhams. I think that's just an arbitrary figure that I got thrown on the insurance company's screen. Um, the disadvantage you have is this, there are usually US spec cars um, which flood the market and they're a lot cheaper, but usually they have like some accident history or things like that. But if yours is a GCC spec car, uh, what was the mileage? Did you say, sorry? Uh, uh, 38,000. 38,000. I'd say, look, it's not the best time of year because it's obviously summer and it's quite a niche car. So it's hard to find the right buyer in the next six to eight weeks. But come September, you know, you can easily market this up for 200,000 dirhams, and I think you will find a buyer for something close to that. Wow, nice. 180,000, 190,000, because, you know, it's it's a very special car, and the right person will take it. It's just this time of year with with specialty cars and niche cars, uh, it's a really bad time to sell. So, like, don't get disheartened. I mean, put by all means, put it onto Bizzle. They have options to put an advert for 30 days and 60 days and things like that. Uh, but don't get disheartened if the phone doesn't ring for the first few weeks, but it will go for some other. There you go, Abraham. Okay, great. Hope that yeah, helps you. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thanks very much. All the best. Enjoy. Thank Thanks Thank very you. much. Thank you. Right, so now we're going straight to uh, Michelle, who's on the line. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning. Good morning. So you've got uh, a VW Golf, but uh, but but a slightly special one. Tell me more about it. Uh, so I've had the car for, um, I would say, two, three, oh gosh, okay, four years. I, I forgot about COVID. Um, so <laughs> we all try to. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I, I mean, I love the car. I, I love that it. it's, uh, you know, it's automatic, but it also can be manual. It's a really fun car. I can fit my bike in it and, you know, it's, it's served me well. But it's kind of getting to the stage where I'm thinking I would really like to have an electric car. And I don't know. I want the easiest option and obviously the, what would get me the best price for this one, whether I go down uh, trading in or do I try and sell it privately? I mean, what what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I think um, so. So, firstly, Naz, it's a it's a Golf R 2015. Um, but I, I, so if you if you if you're looking to move down the electric car path now, because you have a Volkswagen, uh, I they don't have any electric cars officially through the market yet. They are going to bring the, the the ID series through at some point, but there's been some issues with that. So, you if you wanted to um, to get an electric vehicle, you would you would have to trade it through a non-VW dealer or sell it privately and, and go again. Um, but there, there, there are more electric vehicles coming on the market now, so that gives you a, a wide variety. You're not tied to the VW brand as a result of that, so you can certainly have a look around. But uh, firstly, Naz, give us your thoughts on the value. It's a 2015 Golf R. How many kilometres on the car? Sorry, I, missed, I may have missed the, the mileage. I, I, sorry, I didn't tell you. It was uh, It's a just over 190,000. Okay, okay, so that's slightly on the higher side. Um, Look, I think in terms of market valuation, I'd say around 50,000, 55,000 dirhams, somewhere there. Now, if you Mm -hmm. do go for a trade-in, I don't think you're going to get that 
because the dealerships always try to make a bit off the part X as well. So I think they'll be offering you somewhere in the late 30s if you go for a trade in. So to answer one of your points, you know, if you have the time and the luxury to do so, it's always better to sell your car privately as opposed to taking the convenient trade in option because that trade in option, although it's convenient, probably costs you about five, 10 grand, you know? <laughs> That's the first yeah. thing. The second thing is, it seems like you love your car. I mean, I've always been saying in the last few shows, you know, the Golf GTI, the Golf R, like hands down, one of the best value for money hatches in terms of, you know, maintenance space. You know, I'm six foot one and I fit in there comfortably. Um, like you said, you can get your bike in the back. My honest, if, if I was you, I'd hold on to that as long as possible because once you jump in an electric car, um, I don't think there's any going back now. You're going to be electric for the rest of your life. So, you know, enjoy the petrol while you still got it. <laughs> <laughs> That's my opinion. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, thank you very much, guys. I think you've just confirmed what my gut already has been telling me forever. I do love my car. <laughs> go, yeah. go with, go with the gut instinct get, and enjoy it. <laughs> and if you my, really my want to, like, Sorry, if God. you really want to, like, un unlock another level to this, you know, there's some really, really good yeah. tuning houses in Alcuz for a couple of thousand dirhams. You know, just change, you know, put a little exhaust on it. Uh, you know, an air intake and an ECU remap, <laughs> and it will feel like a brand new car with much more power. You'll have all the fun, and you'll keep up with all the Teslas. And uh, yeah, you can just enjoy uh, combustion engines for a few more years. Well, but my I grew up. My father used to to race cars. I did. I had a racing car license before I was old enough to have a, a like a road license, mm. and so. Wow. Don't encourage me to don't encourage me to hot up my car or make it you know better performance. <laughs> I'm already on the edge on the, those well, look, Michelle, we've, we've, we've got to go, but um, we've got to get cut, cut to no break. But look, I hope that's giving you some advice, and hopefully we might even see you down at the uh, the Dubai Autodrama sometime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. No worries at all. Enjoy that one. Fix it or flip it. Yeah, so tell us about your car. We'll tell you how much it's worth and this is how it works. It's easy. We need the details about your car, the make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage. And Naz Chowdhury and I are ready. Let's go straight now to Vikram. Vikram, good morning. Thank you so much for hanging on. Yeah, morning. Morning, guys. Thank you. So uh, as we were saying just before the break, you've got a 2014 Dodge Durango Limited 5.7 litre. You're deciding whether to, to sell it or uh, you're, you're looking to get a value on this one? Um, yeah, I was trying to sell it or probably do a trade-in. Um, I would like to switch to a like um, a hybrid seven-seater, probably. Okay, okay, Naz. Uh, it's, it's all about the uh, the alternative fuels this morning. Electric just before the break. Now we're looking at a hybrid. But um, what are your thoughts on the uh, on the Durango? Yeah, um, thank you for the call. I'd say today's market value. I mean, you know, th there's plenty of Durangos around, but the, the five point seven is, is quite desirable. The the road track, the RT, and is it GCC spec car? Yeah, yeah, it is a easy, easy spec car. Yeah, I'd say today's value is around fifty to fifty-five thousand dirhams. Now, mm -hmm. as we said pre on the previous call, is you know if you are going for the trading option, they'd probably give you a little bit less, maybe forty somewhere there. Um, you know, the dealers do try their luck, so they might even start with thirty-five. Uh, but stick to your guns, and it should be at least you know mid forties if you're trading it, and early fifties if you sell it yourself. Okay, okay, great, great. Um, well, what would you suggest for a, um, a hybrid? Uh, Family car, a seven-seater, a SUV. 
Well, there's, there's a few options out there. Hybrid straightaway spring, the, the Toyota springs to mind because they've they're, so far they're avoiding going down the full electric path and are looking at other options. And they were one of the first with hybrids. And I think you'll find that there's a, a hybrid model in every model that they make. So uh, it depends on what you're what you're after. Whether you're looking for another SUV or looking for a a, a large saloon like the the new Crown that's just been released, or they you just said seven seater. Uh, yeah, SUV. Okay, SUV. So I'd, I'd probably get down to Festival City first because have a look at what Toyota's got. If not, go and have a look at uh, at Honda's showroom next door. They've got some stuff as well there. Um, that the, the and, and it's all sort of hybrid as well. So yeah, what, what do you think, Naz? Yeah, it's a difficult one because what you'll find, and we mentioned this in in the in, in the previous call with the with the ID four scenario, is the main dealers here are not bringing in all the models. So yeah. although a lot of seven seater hybrids are available globally. Unfortunately, the UAE hasn't quite kept up to speed. I mean, like, for example, if you were in uh, Europe, you'd have the, you know, the Volvo XC90, Kia Sorento, um, the Ford S-Max, the Ford Galaxy, the Toyota Highlander, the Hyundai Santa Fe, Nissan X-Trail. And these are all available in seven-seater hybrid variants. Uh, but I just can't think of which ones are actually available for the UAE market. Can you think of any of those, Damien, that actually are available? In I, was, the UAE? I was trying to step around it because I'm, my, my brain is thinking while I'm talking and I can't think of any that actually spring to mind right now. Um, yeah, I mean, there is the, the, the grey import cars. I believe the ID6 mm. Volkswagen is a seven-seater. And, and that, that's a great car. Of course, there were issues in bringing them in and things like that. And we're waiting for Volkswagen to actually release them officially, which I believe they are. Um, but just have a look online. The ID6s, I think they're available. Okay. Yeah. Wait, okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys for suggestions. Thank oh, you. Okay. No problem. No problem. Thank, thank you so much. Uh, now we've got, um, yeah, it's an interesting one, Nas, because I'm, I'm really trying to rack my brain to think of one that's on the market through the official channels, and it's I'm drawing blanks at the moment. Um, on that one. Same. So we've got a text message here. Uh, hey, I have a uh, Toyota Hilux uh, a- Adventurer and I want to find out if it's still if it's still illegal to change the bumpers to proper off-road bumpers like the ones that ARB, for instance, supply. What do you think, Naz, about that one? So it's it's always been a bit of a grey area. I'm it is, on a lot it? of these. Uh, yeah, I've been on a lot of these uh, WhatsApp groups with, with guys who modify cars and go off-roading and things like that. And you know, I think the general rule of thumb is, you know, metal bumpers are not allowed. Uh, however, I have seen many occasions where they do pass. And I think it just comes down to how obvious it looks. You know, if it's if it's a yeah. fairly discreet bumper and it's got some rubber edging on the corners and things like that, even if they're temporary, you know, like Velcro on and off, then you could get lucky. But if it's a big metal like thing that just sticks out, then generally they fail it. Um, and I have seen them write remarks on, on the uh, RT reports where they do pass a car with metal bumpers, but it says for off-road use only. So, again, it's a grey area. They pass it, but they kind of tell you you're not allowed to drive on the road with it, which is a bit strange. It's a little bit um, like uh, the, yeah, comp- competition <laughs> tyres and, and exhaust system for, for, for track use only. But yes, they, exactly. <laughs> you, you sometimes forget to change your wheels when you leave the track, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So what I'd say, <laughs> so what I'd say in the case of a Toyota Hilux is, luckily, it's very easy to bolt on and off the original bumper and swap it for the uh, modified bumper. And also, you have the pickup bed in the back. So my advice would be, you know, if you were to upgrade the bumper, which you obviously intend to do, keep hold of the original bumper, mm. and then if you want to go off roading, you can just, you know, for the for the winter season, just bolt the bolt the metal one on. 
and then for the rest of the year, put the plastic ones back on. And you can interchange them. It's literally fifteen minute job on the driveway. Yeah, that, that's the thing. It's not. It's not. A, it's not a difficult job to do to, uh, to swap out bumpers. And you can do it if you're going to go to the desert. You can put the metal one on. I've seen them. You know, you exactly, see them out there with yeah. light bars in them and that sort of thing. And then uh, you put the street unit back on when you when you you know you, you get back to town. Um, so yeah, I hope that helps. There are there are options out there. Uh, another text message here. Hi, Damien. My friend uh, Jobica is considering a Jetua X seventy um, for about ninety two thousand dirhams with a million kilometre warranty. What's your opinion? Um, well, I'm glad you've asked that because we're I've, I drove the dashing last week and we're going to have the guys from Jatua in here, in the studio for the second hour to talk about that and other models that they've got coming in as well. So stick around for the second hour. Uh, but you've also driven the um, the, the Jatuas recently, uh, Naz. What, what are your thoughts on them? Honestly, phenomenal. I mean, that's really German build quality. Mm. Uh, you know, great cars. They drive really well. Good engines. I mean, remember we talked about, like, how we can start classifying these Chinese cars. Like, we've, we've established that, you know, Hongqi is, is the Rolls-Royce or the Bentley of uh, you know, the Chinese brand, but Jator is definitely somewhere up there with equivalent to German premium. I mean, I really think they're a solid car. And what makes it interesting is um, 1 million kilometers yeah. for 10-year engine warranty. Yeah. I mean, that's phenomenal. You know, we remember growing up, you know, a car would get two years, three years if you're lucky. I remember Kia and Hyundai wanted to make a statement when they came in 10, 15 years ago. And they started doing seven-year warranties. But yeah. again, it was always limited by mileage, right? Or 150,000 kilometers or 100,000 kilometers where it becomes sooner. Yeah. But to openly say 1 million kilometers or 10 years um, really is a testament to like the build quality of these things, right? I don't think they'd put that their name on it and a stamp on it like that unless yeah. they knew what they were doing, right? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. It put, put, puts a lot of faith and a, and a bit of peace of mind when you, uh, when you, when you jump into one, that's for sure. Fix it. Or flip it. For just a few minutes more, we've got Naz for another 15 minutes, so do get on the phone if you want, if you can uh, tell us about your car. We need the make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage, as much information as you can, and uh, we'll tell you how much your car is worth. So I've got uh, Naz on the line who's uh, still sitting down there in the uh, <laughs> the Manchester business lounge waiting to fly back. <laughs> Thanks for hanging in there, Naz. Yeah. I appreciate it. No, it's an absolute pleasure. Came here nice and early. I came in so early, in fact, I wasn't sure if check-in was open, but luckily they opened four hours in advance, so I'm fine. <laughs> uh, Manchester, they do open early, I can tell you that, So, uh, and it's a good lounge, so enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like being at home already before you even landed back in Dubai. Um, exactly. So a text message here from uh, Mina. She has a uh, BMW X6. It's a 2016 model, X-Drive 50, with 109,000 kilometres, and it's silver. Um <laughs> So, yeah, X6 BMWs, uh, NAS 2016 model, X-Drive, it's a 50, so it's the big one, 109,000 kilometers. Yeah. You know, these cars have depreciated a lot over the years. Um, you know, they had, the yeah. val- I think it was a valve seal problem. You know, they suffer from this white smoke. And, um, you know, people that know tend to stay away from them because the maintenance is quite high. Uh, but people who do know it's a lot of car for your money. I mean, this is what, nearly three, 400,000 dollars new, if not more. And uh, for this particular car used, um, you can get them from as cheap as eighty-five thousand dollars, really. So that would be you know wow. eighty-five, ninety thousand dollars somewhere. There. So it's a lot of car for your money. Wow, they really have tanked then a little bit. Uh, it's, it's it's a good one to buy, I guess, at the at the moment. Yeah, and I think the sixteen is the first of the facelift as well, so it looks relatively modern as well, doesn't it? 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Jana has also uh, texted in about a Mitsubishi Pajero, uh, same year, 2016 model, GLS model, 198,000 kilometres, so just under 200,000 kilometres uh, brown in condition. And uh, it's the, uh, it's the yeah, it's a GLS model. So, uh, yeah, 2016 Mitsubishi Pajero. This is like one one of the top 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 cars in the UAE, right? I think we get yeah. one on every single show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> did, did we get the kilometers on this car? Uh, one hundred ninety-eight thousand. Yeah, one hundred ninety. I'd say around fifty-five to sixty thousand dirhams, sixty thousand dirhams somewhere there. Okay, that that sounds good. Uh, I got a text in from Zach, and Zach is uh, saying, "Morning, guys. I'm enjoying the show." What is the uh, what is the sale value of a Mercedes Benz GL five hundred? It's the V eight, doesn't uh, seven seater, good conditions, twenty fourteen model, white. It's got two hundred forty eight thousand kilometres on it, and uh, here's the second owner. Uh, thanks, uh, Romeo. Great cars, unfortunately, like the uh, X six. Uh, they're known to have issues when they reach that kind of age. I mean, you know, they've got really nice suspension, which is nice and soft. But the air balloons always suffer. And the car ends up collapsing and things like that. So, um, you know, it, it's a shame that the running costs are relatively high, but it's a lot of car. If you're looking for a seven-seater, solid, reliable engine, you know, it's a really, really good car. In terms of pricing, um, I'd say around seventy-five to eighty thousand dirhams somewhere there. Okay, again, another 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 bargain if you're looking to buy. That's for sure. It really is, yeah. A uh, lot of car for your money. Getting into a V8 Mercedes for that kind of money. Uh, Ahmed has uh, texted in. He's got a 2020 Volkswagen Passat, uh, 87,207 kilometres on it. It's white. Now, he says here he's not thinking about selling it, but if the price is right, why not? I mean, exactly, Ahmed. That's the whole point. Um, <laughs> what year was it, sorry? Uh, 2020 Passat with uh, 87,207. My, my opinion on that is I wouldn't be selling it. I, I actually like those cars. Yeah, I mean they're really nice, and they've got a nice little facelift to the front as well. Although I think they all came with the um, the orange indicators at the front, so they all look like US spec cars, but they're not. Have you noticed that, Damien? Yeah, the, yeah. They've got a little orange in the in the front headlight. They come from the uh, from the US batch, perhaps. Yeah, I think so. Um, do we know the trim level? Is it an SE? Is it a comfort line? Did no, you mention? No, I don't. I don't have any other information, unfortunately. So what we'll do is we'll take the we'll take the average and we'll say around fifty five to sixty thousand dirhams. You know, if it, if it happens to be a nicer trim, then maybe a bit more. But if it's a basic, I think the basic is called the comfort line. So you know, no leather seats, no sunroof, uh, even down to low forties, really. Yeah, yeah. That is the thing. It's it's an undervalued car, uh, particularly with the with the the higher spec engines, the six cylinders and stuff. Really good car, and the, and the one that. That was wasn't on for sale here for long. Um, was the the Arteon, which I really like, which is the pre, which was the the uh, the successor to what was then the the CC range, uh, like the four door coupe. I really like those, and they just never picked up here. Did they even sell? I don't remember seeing one. Uh, they did sell yes, them here for, for a, yeah, I had one as a press car, so they were definitely on the market for a short time uh, in that sort of bright I'm- gold color. Yes, yes, I remember that. I'm very surprised that didn't take off in all fairness. I mean, you know, the Passat's a, it's a very sensible car, right? Very sensible. Somebody just wants to go A to B and needs a reliable form of transport. But the RTN is so much more than that, isn't it? It's sporty. It looks good. Yeah. It drives much better. Um, I just don't know why it didn't take off. Maybe it was something to do with the price point. Maybe they priced it 
on the house side, I don't know. Yeah, perhaps. And going to your previous point with the previous caller too, you can get some really nice exhaust kits on those and they sound amazing. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they start popping, don't they? <laughs> exactly. Well, look, that's just about all we've got time for this morning. Um, so... Uh, Actually, we've got time for one quick, one more. Just text has just come through. I'm 47, middle class. I drove a Nissan Sunny for 15 years. I'm graduating to a bigger car. I've booked a Kia Sportage 2023 EX with a budget of 110,000. Uh, have to drive it from work. Um, uh, have to drive it to work and back. Um, just want to keep one vehicle. Um, sorry, hang on. I'm just the the message is getting longer as I'm reading it. Okay, so it's a 2023 EX. Kia Sportage uh, needs to drive from Nada to Maktoum Airport. Your opinion about the Sportage, or should I consider a Chinese model? I want to keep just one car. So, what are your thoughts firstly on the Sportage? So, honestly, that's a very, very sensible. Uh, first of all, very sensible buyer. I mean, he's had the Sunny for how many? Fourteen years now. Yeah, that's incredible. And it sounds like you're not the type of person who's going to change your car every few years. Look, honestly, I think the Sportage is a great car. Um, it it does what it says and it's very well priced but since you're going to keep the car that long i'd honestly look at that jator you know you've got yeah. you're doing a lot of mileage you've got a million kilometer warranty over 10 years uh, arguably the build quality is as good as a, a sportage if not better my advice would be get down to the elite cars take the jator for a drive and you may be pleasantly surprised there you go, Mansoor. I hope that gives you some some advice. Uh, that's um, yeah, so some interesting stuff there. One more, the the, the message is just coming through as we're hanging up, Naz. But I'll give you one more. <laughs> it's a, that's tw- fine, that's it's fine. a 2018 Jeep Wrangler Sports Willys Edition, dark grey. It came with a high lift kit and upgraded speakers. Um, Sixty nine thousand four hundred kilometres on that one. That's from uh, Donne. Um, worst time of year. So if you're not in a particular rush, I'd wait till September, October because. You know, I've seen these things commanded, you know, 20% premium in winter or the other way around and 20% discount in the summer months when it's off season. But, mm-hmm. you know, taking all that into account, averaging out, I'd say around 100,000 dirhams, 100, 110, 120 even. Yeah, there, there, the you right. there you go. There you go. I hope that uh, gives you some advice, uh, and that really is all we've got time for this morning because you've got a flight to catch. And uh, so, thank yes, you. Yes, thank you. Thanks, thanks for on the other side. Yeah, thanks, thanks for joining us, Naz, this morning. I really do appreciate it. And we're going to see you back in the studio in uh, in two weeks' time. Two and weeks. Um, yeah. yeah, go and uh, go and grab that final boarding call. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on the show, guys. Thank you. Brilliant. Thanks. That's Naz Chowdhury, our uh, automotive expert on valuations. Gang will be back. Everyone's on summer holidays at the moment, enjoying themselves. This is Damien Reid. Thanks for tuning in to Motormania here on Dubai 103.8.